0: Welcome to Studies in the Scriptures with Pastor Mark Fontecchio, a broadcast ministry of Return to the Word and made possible by faithful supporters like you. Find out more at returntotheword.com. It's good to be back with you on Studies in the Scriptures. We left off in Ruth with verse 21 in the first chapter, where a Hebrew family in the time of the judges had moved to Moab because of a famine but they shouldn't have. They should have stayed in Israel. Disciplined by the Lord for their disobedience to God, Naomi's husband is dead. Her two sons are dead. Naomi and Ruth are now back in Bethlehem. You know, when Benjamin Franklin was the ambassador to France, he sometimes attended a group that was dedicated to studying and reading the literary masterpieces On one occasion, Franklin changed all the names in the book of Ruth so that no one would recognize it. And then he read it to this group. And it's remarkable what happened because when he finished, the men of this group were in complete agreement that it was one of the most beautiful short stories they had ever heard. And they demanded that he tell them where he had come across such an extraordinary story. Well, it was with great joy that he explained to them that this true story came from the Bible itself. Part of the excitement of this passage is that we read of real men and real women who overcame obstacles, men and women of character who placed their trust in the Lord, and the end result is that they were used in a mighty way by God. Now, we left off in our last study looking at one such person where Ruth had demonstrated her commitment to Naomi. Ruth demonstrated her willingness to identify herself with the Hebrew people. And in our text, all of a sudden, Naomi shows up unannounced back at Bethlehem. She left off with a husband and two sons and came back with her husband and sons, all buried in a foreign land. Naomi may not have understood why all this had happened to her, but she did understand how devastating her situation was. We pick it up with verse 22 of chapter one. The Bible says, So Naomi returned, and Ruth, the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law with her, her return from the country of Moab. Now they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest. There was a relative of Naomi's husband, a great man of wealth, of the family of Elimelech. His name was Boaz. So Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, Please let me go to the field and glean heads of grain after him, in whose sight I may find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. Verse 22 of chapter 1 opens the doorway for the events of chapter 2. But how was Ruth described in verse 22? Ruth, the Moabitess. It once again points to the tension that as a woman from Moab, she had little reason to believe that she would be accepted by the people of Bethlehem. It was the beginning of the barley harvest. This was not a small detail. The name Bethlehem meant house of bread. Naomi and Ruth were arriving at the house of bread just as the grain for the bread was ready to be cut. This is what they made a lot of their bread from. It would have been roughly March to April on our calendars. Barley was the first crop to be harvested each year. So the timing meant that Naomi and Ruth could get settled at a time when there was plenty of food and they could try to store up some food for the dry season. Notice the shift here. Notice the chapter break. We are introduced to Boaz. I love the details here. Boaz was a relative of Naomi's husband. Boaz was a man of great wealth. It was in that day, just as it is today, that a man of great wealth was a person of influence in the community. We're going to see later on that Boaz had land and servants. Now notice the description of him. He was of the family of Elimelech. Not only was Boaz a relative of Naomi's husband, Elimelech, but now we read this further description that he was of the family of Elimelech. Now, let's think of the social structure of the people of Israel. First, we remember that according to their mindset or way of thinking, they were all the people of Israel that came from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But then from there, they, of course, were broken down into the tribes of Israel and after the tribes, it was broken down even further. Now, most English translations could be a little stronger in verse 1. The Hebrew word for family literally means a clan. The clan was the subdivision of a tribe, and that is how some translations put it. So what we have with this statement is the clarification of what was meant by the earlier statement that Boaz was a relative of Elimelech. Not only was he from the same tribe, but he came from the same clan or same subdivision of the tribe. Ruth approaches Naomi in verse 2 and requests permission to go out and get some food for them by gleaning the fields. And notice what she asked. So Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, Please let me go to the field and glean heads of grain after him in whose sight I may find favor. Notice this again, it is pointed out for us that Ruth was from Moab. And it also stands out to me that Ruth, she sought permission from Naomi during the harvest when either the wheat or the barley were ready to be harvested. Now the landowners would hire reapers to come and cut down the stalks and tie them into bundles. But the Mosaic law had some very specific commands for them about leaving some of the crops in the fields. Listen to Leviticus 19, verses 9 and 10. When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not wholly reap the corners of your field, nor shall you gather the gleanings of your harvest. And you shall not glean your vineyard, nor shall you gather every grape of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and the stranger. I am the Lord, your God. The Mosaic law commanded that they were to leave the corners of the field. And Leviticus 19 states that the corners were to be left for the poor and for the strangers. This was repeated and commanded again in Leviticus 23, verse 22. Some of the more generous landowners would leave as much as a quarter of their field for the poor. And not only would the poor take from the corners of the field, but they would follow along after the reapers were done. The reapers were those that were bringing in the harvest, and any stalks that the reapers would drop were allowed to be taken. Leviticus speaks of the poor and the strangers being able to take what was left behind. But Deuteronomy 24, it actually takes it a step further. Listen as I read, starting from Deuteronomy 24, verse 19. When you reap your harvest in your field and forget a sheaf in the field, you shall not go back to get it. It shall be for the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, that the Lord your God may bless you in all the works of your hands. When you beat your olive trees, you shall not go over the bows again. It shall be for the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow." When you gather the grapes of your vineyard, you shall not glean it afterward. It shall be for the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow. And you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. Therefore, I command you to do this thing. The command from God taught that the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow could glean from the fields. Now apply this to Ruth. She qualified for two reasons. Not only was she a stranger from Moab, but she was a widow as well. But let's stop and think about this. The fact that she was both a widow and a person from Moab meant that indeed she had the right to glean from the fields, but they didn't have to like her. She was from Moab. She wasn't one of them. She could not exactly count on the people being especially kind to her. So as we look again at verse 2 in Ruth, I think this is honestly part of the meaning of this statement. Please let me go to the field and glean heads of grain after. After who? After him in whose sight I may find favor. Yes. The owners of the land were supposed to let the poor glean from the field. Yes, certain owners left more than they had to for the poor. But remember, this was coming at the end of the famine when people were hungry. And remember that this was taking place in the time of the judges when everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Here is what I think was happening in verse 2. Ruth recognized the fact that not every landowner would take kindly to a woman from Moab gleaning in their fields. Just because God's word says to let the stranger and the widow glean doesn't mean God's people always obey. She knew that she was at the mercy of the men that owned the land. Now take a careful look at verse 3. It's a pretty amazing verse. Then she left and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the family of Elimelech. Look carefully at this statement that she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz. If you were reading this in the Hebrew, it would literally read, and her chance happened or her chance chanced. Let's keep a finger here in our text, but turn over to 1 Samuel chapter 6, because in 1 Samuel 6, the context is the Philistines were trying to figure out the best way to return the Ark of the Lord. Notice what some of the priests of the Philistines said to do. Let's read verses 8 and 9 of 1 Samuel 6. Then take the ark of the Lord and set it on the cart and put the articles of gold, which you are returning to him as a trespass offering in a chest by its side. Then send it away and let it go and watch. If it goes up the road to its own territory, to Beth Shemesh, then he has done us this great evil. But if not, then we shall know that it is not his hand that struck us. It happened to us what? By chance." See, the contrast in this verse was that it was either the God of Israel that had struck them because they had the ark, or it was just that these things happened by chance. Now, the word for chance that is used, or some translations use the word coincidence, this is the same word that is used back in our passage in Ruth chapter 2. And the word all by itself means that this was something that happened just by chance apart from the hand of God. So as you head back to the book of Ruth, allow me to ask this question. If chance means chance, if chance means that it was not the hand of God at work, then does this mean that God was not involved in Ruth coming to the field of Boaz? Well, the author was making a point by being redundant in verse 3 of Ruth, because as I said before, it literally reads, her chance chanced upon. In the Hebrew understanding, and you need to get this, that in the Hebrew understanding, there was no such thing as chance. Think of just Proverbs 16, verse 33. The lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. Also think of Proverbs 16, verse 9, one of my favorite Proverbs. It tells us a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his step. If you think of these two proverbs that the Lord directs the steps of man and that every decision of the lot is from the Lord, then how does this in Ruth 2.3 give the impression that these things took place by chance? Well, as you look at the Hebrew with the idea that her chance chanced, The text itself is obvious that this was done on purpose. This was simply done as a rhetorical device. This was a way of writing this to get the person reading this to just sit up and take notice that, of course, it was the hand of God at work. It would be much the same that if I said to you that it was by chance you had been praying for a podcast to help you in your own study of the book of Ruth. And then the next day, by chance, you just happened to get a new phone, and that by chance you got a new podcast app, and by chance you happened to find this podcast by return to the word. Well, it's just an obvious way of pointing out that God worked to bring us together, much the same in our passage that it was God that used the details of life to bring Ruth to the part of the field belonging to Boaz. That is what we see at the end of verse three, she just happened to come to the field of Boaz from the same clan or family of Elimelech. And so now here comes Boaz onto the scene in verse four. Now behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said to the reapers, the Lord be with you. And they answered him, the Lord bless you. He had come from Bethlehem to this field, and here we begin to see the kind of man that Boaz was because he greeted the men working in the field by saying, the Lord be with you. The workers responded right back with the common expression of their day by saying back to him, the Lord bless you. I think this gives us a little bit of insight into Boaz and how he treated his workers. It didn't take Boaz long to notice in verse five that there was a stranger who, on his land. Then Boaz said to his servant, who is in charge of the reapers, whose young woman is this? It's speculated that Boaz may have been around 45 to 55 years of age at this point. And so he wants to know from his servant, whose young woman is this? Or literally the Hebrew reads, to whom does this woman belong? He knew she was a stranger, but where did she come from? What tribe? What family? And so the response comes in verse six from the servant. So the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered and said, it is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. Verse seven takes us back. This is a servant telling Boaz of a conversation that the servant had with Ruth before this and she said, please let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and has continued from morning until now, though she rested a little in the house. Ruth had asked, please let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. Well, this ties us back to verse two, doesn't it? That Ruth was seeking to find favor or mercy from a landowner. Now, Ruth, she had continued from the morning up until this point, gleaning what had been dropped by the men that brought in the harvest. The last part of verse seven is difficult to translate, but most of the translations mention a a house. Don't take from this the idea here that she rested in a house, but more, I think the idea is of some sort of shelter. And starting in verse 8, take note of who initiates this conversation. Then Boaz said to Ruth, you will listen, my daughter, will you not? Do not go to glean in another field, nor go from here, but stay close by my young women. Boaz speaks to Ruth and look at how he starts out. You will listen, my daughter, will you not? This was a strong way of getting her attention and making sure that she was listening carefully to what he was about to tell her. And he also refers to her as my daughter. Now, we've seen Naomi use this expression for Ruth three times up until this point. Not only does this once again give us this idea that Boaz was quite a bit older than her, but it also was more of a personal expression that was beginning to break down the barriers that existed. Boaz knows at this point that she is from Moab, and you cannot help but walk away with the impression from this that Boaz felt some sort of responsibility to help Ruth out. Almost Like a loving father at this point, Boaz offers his protection and his resources to her. First, he says to her in verse eight, do not glean in another field, nor go from here, but stay close by my young women. Boaz was well aware of the real world and that Ruth might not be treated that well if she gleaned from different landowners. She was to stay close to his young women. Normally, those that would glean from the fields would not move in until after the harvesters were done with a section of the field. During the harvest, the men cut the stalks and laid them in piles. While typically the women tied the piles into bundles for transport to the threshing floor, these bundles were known as sheaves. If Ruth stayed close to the workers, she would be picking up the loose grain, and she'd be ahead of the other people gleaning from the field, which is exactly what we see in the first part of verse 9. Let your eyes be on the field, which they reap, and go after them. Have I not commanded the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink from what the young men have drawn. Don't wait for them to be all done with the field. Get in there right away and pick up what she could that was loose as soon as the stocks had been bundled up. Then Boaz, he asked a rhetorical question. Have I not commanded the young men not to touch you? See, Ruth didn't have to worry about being harassed because she was from Moab. Ruth didn't have to worry anymore about being harassed by the men that were working. If she was thirsty, Boaz instructed that she could drink freely from the water that was provided for his workers in the field. It was unheard of that someone gleaning in the fields could drink from the water of the hired workers. Typically at the beginning of each day, when the servants would leave town and head for the fields, they would first stop and draw water from a well. Second Samuel 23 teaches us that the well in Bethlehem, it was by the gate. They would carry the water in containers out into the fields that they were working for that day. According to the culture, according to Genesis 24, we know that it was generally expected that the women would draw the water for the men. And at the same time, they would not normally draw water for someone from a foreign country. To have Boaz command that Ruth from Moab could drink water that his men had drawn, this is simply amazing. And in this passage, notice that Boaz does most of the talking, but when Ruth did speak, it was respectful and it was short to the point, giving us the indication that she knew her place as a foreign woman in that culture. And notice her reaction in verse 10. It says, so she fell on her face, bowed down to the ground, and said to him, why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? The wording literally indicates that she fell to her knees and began bowing with her face to the ground. In the social ranking that they had, whenever someone of an inferior standing or social status would greet someone of a higher social rank, or when they would show respect or gratitude to someone of a higher rank, it was the expected custom to outwardly show disrespect by kneeling and bowing. It was a way of outwardly demonstrating that they recognized the authority that a person had. Ruth, on her knees, bowing to Boaz, demonstrated her submission and gratitude for the grace that Boaz had shown to her. Her words also expressed her heartfelt gratitude. Take a look at what she said. Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? She knew that Boaz was treating her well above and beyond the requirements of the Mosaic Law. The servant in charge of the workers had noticed her, and it was assumed that the men in the field would notice her as well. As a young foreign woman, she could easily have been the victim of abuse. But Boaz, not only keeping his men from touching her, but he treated her almost as if she was one of the Hebrew workers that worked for him. And with verse 11, Boaz responded by saying that literally he had heard all about her. It says this, And Boaz answered and said to her, it has been fully reported to me all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband and how you have left your father and your mother and the land of your birth and have come to a people whom you did not know before. It had been fully reported to him. When Boaz heard from his servant about her, the lights went on and he started to connect the dots. This was the woman that everyone in Bethlehem was talking about. Notice we do get the impression from the middle of verse 11 that Ruth's mother and father were still alive. Boaz had heard how kind she was to her mother-in-law, Naomi. Boaz had heard how much courage Ruth had that she came back with Naomi to Bethlehem. But there is one thing missing there is one thing that boaz does not mention to ruth he gives her the clear understanding that his kindness to her is in response to ruth's kindness toward her mother-in-law but he gives her no hint that it was important to him because naomi was his relative or that he is repaying her for her kindness to a member of his family Ruth had expressed her concern that she'd be able to glean behind someone in whose sight she might find favor. God had clearly answered her need. And then notice what Boaz said to her in verse 12, the Lord repay your work and a full reward be given you by the Lord God of Israel under whose wings you have come for refuge. The fact that Boaz wanted the Lord to repay her for her work. This reminds me of Proverbs nineteen seventeen. Listen to what it says. He who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord, and he will pay back what he has given. Boaz prayed that a full reward be given to her by the Lord God of Israel. But notice the beautiful imagery that Boaz gives to us, picturing God as a bird, giving us the image of Ruth, putting her trust in him alone for her refuge, putting her trust in him alone for her safety and well-being. And with our last verse, we see in verse 13, both an expression of gratitude from Ruth and her hope that his mercy and grace would continue. Notice what we read. Then she said, let me find favor in your sight, my Lord, for you have comforted me and have spoken kindly to your maidservant, though I am not like one of your maidservants. The kindness of Boaz had brought a great relief to Ruth. Her fears had been taken care of. And yes, she was finding protection and safety under the wings of God, but she also knew that God was using Boaz in her life. And with the end of verse 13, we need to simply understand that the Hebrew has different terms for the different rankings of social positions of women in that culture. And just to keep things simple, the easiest way of explaining what she said, Ruth used the term that meant a female slave. She used a term that meant she belonged to the lowest class of women. She was literally claiming that she was on the lowest rung of the social ladder. But with the very last statement of verse 13, where she said, though I am not like one of your maidservants, she is expressing that she was even lower than the women that were seen as slaves or property. The point of this is not to belittle women or rub the wounds that women were treated so poorly in that day. The point is that Ruth had a pretty fair evaluation of her status in that culture and in a land that was foreign to her. And so she could not simply believe the grace and mercy being shown to her, despite the different nationality or social class that she belonged in. Ruth had found favor in the sight of Boaz and in the sight of God. Return to the Word Ministries is committed to teaching the full counsel of God's Word and the Gospel of Jesus Christ. For more about our ministry, please visit returntotheword.com Pray that the Word of God will be a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path.